Um, we have a special speaker this morning. I'm delighted to have him here. I, I uh, am so glad that he's bringing the message that he's bringing to us. It's timely. It's relevant. Uh, when we were talking, he asked if I wanted him to speak. I said, absolutely want you to speak. Um, our district superintendent, Isaac Smith, is going to come and share with us now a word from the Lord. Uh, open your hearts to what he's going to say, because what he's going to say is really true, and it's life-changing. Would you welcome him? Thanks, Steve. Well, thank you. Good morning. It's great to worship God together with you today. I'm delighted to be here, and uh, I represent your extended family. You're a part of a district group of churches that uh, called the Northwest District, a nine-state region all the way from here to uh, Washington and Oregon and Alaska, and I get to travel that and connect with people and watch what God is doing, and um, that's awesome. And you're part of that, very much a part of that, and I'm grateful. So I, let, let me just tell you quickly two things that we're doing. Number one, last year, our year starts 1st of June, so you can factor this uh, fiscal year kind of stuff in. But, but last year, we saw 4,248 individuals make commitments to become followers of Christ. And that's pretty awesome. Praise God. Yeah. This current year that we're in, we, God's helping us to just broaden that a lot. We have already planted eight brand new churches this year, and we have two more places, uh, Fargo and Billings, where we have teams in place that are going to get ready to launch, we believe, by the end of this fiscal year. And so we will have planted 10 new churches in one year. That's unprecedented for us. It's exciting, it's exhausting, but it's amazing. And I want to praise God for that and thank you. Your prayers, your partnership in that is uh, absolutely indispensable. And I'm grateful for that. I love to hear and see what God is doing at Grace Point and see the many, many wonderful things that God is producing here. So I want to talk to us this morning about something important. Let me, let me kick it off this way. IBM. And Apple have one of these. McDonald's has one, so does Burger King, KFC. Walmart Target had one. 3M has one. Dactronics has one. You're starting to get the drift? I believe every corporation in North America has one. SDSU has one. So do local school districts. So do, yeah, there you go. So, so do, so do uh, uh, hospitals. Uh, many churches have one. Yours does. But here's the interesting thing, very few people have one. I'm, I'm told that less than 2% of individuals have one of these. I find that strange. But I think God has one. I think we're going to try to unpack that this morning. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a mission statement. You should have been tipped off by your notes, headlined there, right? What is a mission statement? A mission statement should be a succinct statement that captures the essence of who you are and what you do. Some of you in some sort of a corporate setting or other have gone through exercises like this where typically a hired gun outside consultant comes in and you do a retreat and, or something, you do hours maybe an overnight sort of a thing, and, and you work together and you come up with a mission statement. 
And from that, depending on which consultants you have and what their process is, but typically you, from that you develop a vision statement and then goals and strategies, etc. And some of the time when you get done with that whole exercise, you put it on a hard drive, you print a copy of it and put it in a file, and you go right back to doing and being what you were before. Which I say is a bad mission statement. Obviously what that mission statement did was sort of captured a wish I, we kind of wish we were this and wish we did this. We don't really do this. But we think other people think we ought to do this, so therefore we're going to write it down. Hello? That's, that's not the kind of mission statement I'm talking about today. I, I want to I talk about God's mission statement. But oh, by the way, I find it intensely curious that only 2% of us people, real people, have one of these. Seems like to me if McDonald's has one of these, to make burgers, wraps, and really good fries. Seems like if they have a mission statement for that, I ought to have a mission statement for living, especially if I'm a Christ follower. Hello? It just makes sense, right? But it's interesting how many people sort of bounce through life, blunder off of sharp edges and say, oh, don't do that because it hurts. And generally, we sort of figure this out instead of living life intentionally and on purpose. So I'm going to suggest to you a, two things that we want to do this morning. First, I want to unpack what I believe is God's mission statement. Now, that's really, really crucial. And then second, I want to challenge you about when I wrap up about three hours from now. It'll just feel that way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge you to write a mission statement. So stay tuned in about that. Be thinking about that. But, but, but I want to first unpack God's mission statement. That's critically important. Many of you in this room joined me in being a Christ follower. So it makes absolute sense if we're a Christ follower that we need to know where he's going. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit should keep in step with the Spirit. So if I'm keeping in step with him, I need to know where he's stepping. Make sense? Sure, no brainer. But what about, what about those of you who, who are not yet Christ followers? You're just checking it out. Oh, wow, I'm glad you're here. Because if you're checking it out and want to know whether or not you want to commit to be a Christ follower... You should really know what he's all about, right? You should really know where he's going because Jesus has this pretty simple rule. He just says, welcome in, but I want you all in. If you're not going to be all in, don't come in. I, I want you to really make your mind up about this. And so this is key for us to unpack God's mission statement so that you know where he's headed. So to do that, I'm going to turn to God's word, the book of 1 Timothy. It's going to be chapter 1 and verse 15. Many of us in this room believe that this book, the Holy Bible, is the inspired Word of God, the authoritative Word of God, and therefore, it is amazingly important. Amen? And we don't have to say, hey folks, this is the Word of God, listen up. In fact, the Bible itself assumes that. Rarely does the Bible say, pay attention now, get some coffee, this is going to be big. The Bible actually never mentions coffee whatsoever. Serious oversight, I think. But anyway. <laughs> but the Bible does occasionally shine a spotlight on a passage of Scripture. Rarely, but occasionally. This is one of those. 1 Timothy 1.15 starts this way. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. You hear that? This is really true. 
you should embrace this, get your head wrapped around this, get your arms wrapped around this, get your life wrapped around this. It deserves full acceptance. So here's the saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'd like for you to say that out loud with me, please. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was awesome, all but two of you. Now look away from the screen, just look at me, as painful as that may be, just do that for a minute. And just say it out loud again. You've memorized it already, here we go. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Wow. The Apostle Paul's writing this, he goes on and says this, of whom I'm the worst. That's referencing the sinners part of it. He said, I was the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God's mission statement starts with a person. Christ Jesus. Christ is a title more than a name, you know. Christ means the anointed one, the sent one, the Messiah, the Son of God, God. He is the Christ of God. He is not up for, in, for a re-election. He will not retire. He cannot be impeached. He is the Christ of God forever and ever. Amen. Try that again. Did you say amen? Did I hear that while that was happening? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Okay. He is the Christ of God. And oh, by the way, by the way, you can become Christ-like, but you can't become Christ. That's already taken. He is God's Christ. He is not God-like. He is not God-light. He is God, truly God, truly human and truly God. He is the Christ of God, and his name is Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua, or if you speak really old Hebrew, Yehoshua. Got to clear your throat when you do that. Here's the deal. Any way you say it, any language you put it, any way you slice it, his name means the God who saves me. Wow. How cool is that? That his name is his mission statement. Sort of reminds me of a church named Grace Point. Your name is your mission statement. And, and, and God is saying, this Jesus, I am God. I am the God who saves you. It's his name. And we'll see it is his purpose. He is the Lamb of God. He takes away our sins. Hallelujah. And in God's mission statement, Jesus comes first. He is in first place. Now you can almost hear somebody saying, oh boy, it's Sunday, we're in church, you're a preacher, and you just got through saying that Christ Jesus is God and he should be in first place. Wow, who saw that coming? Good point. I'll give you that. So let me introduce a little tension into that. 
I'm going to suggest to you this is not so much such a no-brainer, even in church, even on Sunday. That is, that Christ Jesus is in first place. I'm going to suggest to you that within each of us, there's a sort of a default setting that puts us in first place, not him. So let, let, me, just, let me just illustrate it this way. I'm the ultimate church hopper. It is a part of my job to visit churches, and so I'm in a different church every Sunday, all usually in a different state somewhere. And um, so I visit those churches, and, and they pay me to be a, a critic. <laughs> Some of you really wish you had my job. You just are that, and you just volunteer, but they pay me to be a critic. And, and so I look at stuff, and, and uh, I'm not that critical. I just look at stuff. Anyway, uh, um, and I often get questions asked, like, how did you like our church? And, and one of the questions I get asked quite often, really, is, how do you like our music? And, and I typically answer it in this way, would say, I'll be happy to answer that question, if we can first establish that it's a really bad question. See, I'm a diplomat, too. And I see people's eyes glaze over and like, sermon alert, sermon alert. And I think, seriously, what were you thinking? You ask a preacher a question, what did you think you were going to get? But, but I said, let's figure out why this is a really bad question. Number one, I'm hardly a music critic, so who cares? Second, I'm really old and really churched, so here's the deal. If I liked your music, you should change it. You get that? <laughs> That's key to know that, by the way. Because it really wasn't about me, was it? Really? Did you do music this morning for me? If so, I have a word for you. You need a life. Really? No, because here, oh, 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 here's why it's really a bad question. Those other two may be interesting, but here's the, because the good question is, how did God like our music this morning? Hello? Try arguing with that one. How did God like? Did it honor God? Did it lift Him? Did it exalt Him? Did it worship Him? Did it lead people to connect with Him? How did God like our worship this morning, our music this morning? Are you with me? Oh, if you need a follow-up question, this would be a good one. How would lost people that Jesus came to save, how would they like the music this morning? That's a good follow-up question. And wouldn't you agree with me that if you ask and answer those two questions, then asking how I liked your music this morning becomes quite irrelevant and actually uninteresting. Hello? See, I'm not just talking about me, by the way. I'm talking about you. Smile. Because whether you, if you're a Christ follower, if you're an established believer, and how you liked the music this morning, I really couldn't care less. It's beside the point. I mean, if you like it, Okay, that's cool. But beside the point, how God liked it is key. Amen? How would lost people like it? Amen? But what I just illustrated for you, that even in church on Sunday, it is hard to put Christ first. It's easy to slip into, what do I like? Am I comfortable? Does this suit my taste? Is this my genre? Got it? It's easy to ask those kinds of questions. So what I'm telling you is if this is hard in church on Sunday, imagine how tough this is on Tuesday, wherever it is you do Tuesdays. This is tough, ladies and gentlemen. 
I've been trying to do this for a long time, 100 years at least. Not quite, but I'm working on it. I'm just telling you, this is tough. This is one of the reasons why I would say to you that you need a mission statement in your life so that you don't just slide back into your default setting of doing what's good for me or what feels good to me, but doing what really lifts and honors and magnifies God in His name. Putting Christ in first place is not a no-brainer. It's a difficult task, but by His grace it's doable. So God begins His mission statement with this person, Christ Jesus he talks about a place. Watch this. Christ Jesus came into the world. We won't camp on this long, but it's very important. Christ Jesus came into the world. He, he identifies a specific place in a specific realm. And here's what we need to it. Christ Jesus did not come into an ideal world. He came into a real world. He was born a Hebrew a Jew when they were under Roman oppression. When uh, their economic situation was beyond terrible, it was awful when they were despised and rejected and ridiculed, uh, when they were often enslaved, he was born in a place that had manure in it. You know that, right? You've heard the Christmas story? He grew up in a town that was so crummy that it was the joke of his nation. A phrase they would often say is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And it wasn't expected to be answered. It was a rhetoric question that was expected to be laughed at. ha, <laughs> ha. That's where he grew up. I've been there, by the way. It's still a crummy town. That's where Jesus was raised. He had dirt under his fingernails. He didn't have life easy. He didn't come to an easy world or an ideal world. He came to a real world. Now, here's the really good news about that. That's precisely what he says to you and me. I'm not going to wait till you get your act together and all your baggage cleaned up and get walking straight before I'll walk with you. No, wherever it is you are right now in your real world, I will start walking with you right today, right now. Hallelujah. Now, what he says to you is we're not going to stay here. We'll keep walking. I'll help you move in a much better direction. We'll keep walking, but I'm ready to walk with you in your real world right now. That's good news, amen? It's fantastic. And that's who Jesus is. He came into a real world. By the way, churches need to make sure they remember this. Because sometimes churches, they just, they just pine for this, this ideal world, this utopic world, where, where they can somehow, they, they just, life's easy for them. Or more often, especially for old geezers like me, we, we have the temptation to say, I wish it was like it was. You know, I hear some song from... Okay, I'll go ahead and say it from, say, the 60s or whatever. And, and I, oh, I remember that. That's so cool. And you, you have this tendency, now those were the good old days. I sort of have a memory they weren't that good. But it doesn't matter. Those are gone. It's not going to happen again. They're not coming back. Those good old days were old days, and they're gone, and they're gone for good. And, and the fact of it is, God has placed you in a real world at precisely the right time. You are not an accident. So God says to you, minister to your real world, not to an ideal world. Amen? Because that's what He does. Christ Jesus came into the world for this purpose, to save sinners. But let's start with those two key words, and I'll reverse the order. First of all, who are sinners? Oh, that'd be you. I can tell by looking. 
No, seriously, I can tell by looking. Because here's the real test. It's called a pulse. You got one? You look like it. Some of you maybe barely, but, but you look like you do. You're breathing. And what God's Word says is, all of us, that's all of us, all of us have sinned and come short of God's glory, His, His perfection, His height of expectations. All of us have come less than the perfection of God. I can tell by looking again. Me too. We're all on a level playing field here. You please understand that. All of us have sinned. Got it? And the fact of it is, we believe that by the grace of God, you can be completely forgiven of that sin. Hallelujah. That's awesome. And by the grace of God, you don't have to be a slave to that sin anymore. Thank God for that. But the fact of it is, Jesus came to save sinners. That's really good news for sinners. He came because he loved you. He paid the price in full for your sin. He paid it in full for your sin. He rose, we sang about it, to live for you and intercede for you and block for you and walk with you. Christ Jesus came into the world to save, to save, to bring you salvation, redemption, forgiveness, renewal, new life. He came to save sinners. It is his purpose. He did lots of other stuff. He's the hinge point of human history. We, our calendar is dated around him. But he didn't come to create a calendar. He came to save you. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why Jesus came into the world now. Now, why are you here? Let's talk about that a little bit. I'm going to encourage you to write a personal mission statement for who you are and how you live. More importantly, for who God created you to be and what God created you to do. Capture the essence, the core of your life. I'm going to suggest a process to you. Now, I don't know how you think best. I'm going to guess that most of you in this room think best on a keyboard. I'm old, so I think best with a legal pad and a pen. I'm learning to think with my thumbs, but it's a work in progress. However it is you think best, I couldn't care less, you, you do it that way. And begin writing, first, oh, oh before, before you pass go, begin praying, God, give me wisdom, God, give me direction, God, help me to be in step with your creation and your guidance in my life. God, just help me to find what it is that you really want me to be and do. Now, some of you are saying, man, where were you 40 years ago? Same place you were, not too late. At this age and stage in your life, God has a purpose and a mission for you. Please help find it. Some of you are very young, and oh my goodness, this is awesome for you. To say, this is the course of my life. This is the direction. This is where I believe God will make it. If you're very young, the odds are you'll tweak this as you go along. God will introduce things. You, but, but the bedrock principles of who God makes you to be and what he makes you to do is, is so important. So, so begin writing stuff. Just as God brings it to your mind and your heart, just begin writing it down. And, and take a few days with that. Just, just let, it, let it percolate. Just let God speak through you to your heart with that. Now, some of you like to write lots of stuff. And so you'll write pages of stuff. Some, some of us don't like to write that much, and we'll write bullet points of, of a few things that come to our mind. Style's not important here. Just, just as it comes down, just write what God, 
what God gives you. Here, here's what's more difficult about this. After you sort of see a pattern emerging, you see a picture emerging, you see God directing you, pulling you, your passion, your heart, your reason pulls together into this. Start pulling it down and, and synthesizing it and making it succinct, making it into one sentence. Ooh, that can be hard. When I first wrote my life mission statement, I had two sentences, but I'm a preacher. You've got to cut me some slack, right? If you are an attorney, we'll give you two sentences. One to define your life mission statement and the other to tell us why it's not your fault. <laughs> if you are an educator, you do not get a paragraph. You get a sentence, right? So pull it down, pull it down, pull it down. I have now made my two sentences into a compound sentence that's quite short, so I, I, I knew this message was coming. Pull it down into one sentence and pray over it. Pray it, God help me to be that, do that. The big thing about that is that it becomes a grid through which you make life's decisions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna illustrate with my mission statement. In fact, I'm gonna tell you my life mission statement, not because I want you to imitate me, but if you don't have one, mine's better than yours. <laughs> I'm just saying. But it's not as good as this one, so use this one as a pattern, but here we go. It is my mission to be a godly man and to be of maximum effectiveness in God's kingdom. Now, being a godly man means everything, really. It, it focuses my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids, my grandkids, with God's church, with people outside the church in the world. I think it impacts how I treat my horses. Being a godly man impacts every area of my life. And being of maximum effectiveness in God's kingdom is a key in that. I want to run everything, every decision in life through that grid, certainly all the major decisions in life through that grid, of will this help me to be a godly man and demonstrate that godliness? And will this help me to leverage to be of maximum effectiveness in God's kingdom? If the answer is yes, this is probably a good decision. If the answer is no, I shouldn't do this. Let, let, me, let me just show you how that works. It is not in my life mission statement to be wealthy, and that's working out for me. Actually, you don't feel sorry for me, and you shouldn't. I have everything I need and several toys, so I'm not, there's no whining involved here. But it's never been in my life mission statement to be wealthy. I've made a number of life decisions through this grid that actually created less wealth for a time at least. Um, I, I've moved jobs where I got paid less than the last one. That's typically not considered bright. But I thought it would be a better effectiveness in God's kingdom. Does that make sense? I'm not against wealth. Please understand, if you want to make me wealthy, go right ahead, I'm fine. Uh, um, uh, but but I'm, what I'm just saying is, if you have wealth, by the way, that may impact your mission statement to ask God how to creatively use that for his maximum glory. What, all, all I'm saying is, that's not the main goal of life. So, create your mission statement so you'll get there. Nowadays, I'm, I'm more tempted to, uh, to write into my life mission statement that it is my mission to be comfortable. Because I've discovered I really enjoy comfort. And, and I, I would sort of like to work that in somehow. I'm not. 
But let me describe that to you. I have a chair. Oh. It is a big man's lazy boy. Oh. It's an amazing chair. You can camp out in this chair. Trust me, I know. Esther lets me have it pretty much the way I want it. And, and beside it, I have stands. Uh, I have my, some of my favorite reading material and a place for a drink and a snack and two remotes. <laughs> and it is March Madness, oh boy. And so you know what's in front of it, right? And, and then I, I also have two uh, little barbells beside it so I can pretend it's an exercise machine. <laughs> it's got it all. I mean, this chair is amazing. This chair is my default setting. Understand, I don't need any leadership, Steve, to go to this chair. I don't need to be motivated, directed, or even suggested to go to this chair. Just leave me alone, and I'll go to this chair. Got it? It's my, it's my comfort zone. I have never yet recalled Esther saying to me, you really should go get in that chair. I don't think that's ever happened. I have heard suggestions <laughs> that I might want to get out of it. Um, sometimes those have been forceful. But uh, you, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's my comfort zone. Now, now, I think I can be a godly man for a while in that chair. And I need a certain amount of, I need a break every once in a while. I need to have rest and relaxation. And, and, and so I think... Yeah, I can have maximum effectiveness by visits to that chair. But wouldn't you agree to me, if I'm going to be a godly man and maximum effectiveness, I need to get out of that chair quite a bit, right? See? See, you don't have a chair this good. I'm, I'm just betting that. But what I am guessing is that you have a comfort place, a default zone. You have it in your thinking. You have it in your acting. You have it in your heart's direction. You have it in your passions. You have it in your relationships. You, many, many areas where you just have this sort of default setting comfort zone, which may or may not be a good thing, but usually isn't the best thing. And a life mission statement helps you to get out of that comfort zone and living life intentionally and purposefully. I want to pray that for you. I want to suggest that you start that. I'd love for you to start it even now. If you've been texting someone or checking scores, switch over to that notepad app thing you got there and, and start writing stuff that God may bring to your head even now. This could be my life mission. This is really who I think God's created me to be, what God's created me to do. If, if, if not, I, I would highly recommend you start it in the next two or three days or the odds are you won't do it the rest of your life. Just a thought. Work on it. Work on it a while. Let God bring it together and then pray it every day. Pray and ask God to help me to be that. Help me to do that. Help me to find and follow that. Let God shape it. So let me just pray with you. Holy Father, in the name of Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit, it's so good to be your child. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world to save us. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you that it is your primary focus and purpose in our lives that you bring to us salvation and you bring so much more as well. We're so grateful. Now God, help us 
to fall in love with you and fall in step with you. And as Christ followers, help us, God, to be intentional about doing your mission in and through our lives. Help us to find that and follow that, we pray. In the name of Christ Jesus, God's people agreed together and said, Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening.